0: to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. So we are gonna, we're not going to go through all of Revelation 21 today, but we are going to go through quite a bit of it, or the first eight verses, really. And it's really setting up how God is making all things new. And as we've been going through this book since January, it's amazing. We're down to, I don't know, maybe three more, maybe four more weeks, and then we'll be through it all and i don't i still don't know what we're going to do next so we'll have to figure that out but please be praying about that i keep thinking about hebrews i keep thinking about genesis i'm just not sure quite yet but the lord will will tell us where to go so as we keep going through this just a couple things to remind you all about as we've been going through it from the beginning the the greek word for revelation is apocalypsis. and Again, it's amazing how the world has such a negative connotation with the word apocalypse. And they view it as this doom and gloom, all of these bad things happening across the world. You know, you see the, the movie clips with Bruce Willis saving the world from apocalypse or whatever's happening in pop culture. But it's amazing how the word literally just means the unveiling of who is Jesus. That's all it means is the unveiling of. And the world is terrified of who Jesus truly is as the one that they have accountability to. And today, what I love is that we're going to open up chapter 21, which is, as Ryan mentioned, the namesake of this church where the Lord took me to Revelation 21. We had a whole laundry list of names for the church. I mean, probably 40 of them. And I think about six or seven of them are actually contained in this chapter But he said the name of the church is that is new city to be after the new Jerusalem that he went to go prepare for us in John 14. So pretty amazing. We're finally here to this chapter. And what I want to just lay out, just looking ahead a little bit. Today we're going to take verses 1 through 8 of chapter 21, the new heaven and new earth. Next week, as Ryan mentioned, we're going to celebrate our one-year anniversary. So we're going to do some testimonies I'm going to share with everybody my personal testimony of of the five visions Jesus gave me leading up to this church and even after we started the church and how that all came about. I hope it's really encouraging for everybody. And then the next week on the 12th, we're going to go into chapter 21 verses 9 through 27, which is all about the new Jerusalem. So how cool is that? I could not have planned that if I even tried that we'd be celebrating our one-year anniversary. And then the very next week, going through the part of the Bible that is the namesake of the church, which is just incredible. What an amazing gift that God orchestrated. I mean, you really, I could not have, I couldn't even plan that out. I didn't even think about that when we started Revelation early in January. The following week on the 19th, we'll go through chapter 22, 1 through 9, the river and the tree of life, and then we'll close the book on January the 2nd, chapter 22, 10 through 21, and I think on the 19th, we're going doing a Christmas program with the kids, too, which my wife's not in here, but she's working with Abby, I think, to put that together. So as we, as we closed out chapter 20, again, chapter 21 is really a kind of a continuation of the close of chapter 20. So if you remember the last two verses that closed chapter 20, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, Was cast into the lake of fire. So those are the last two verses of chapter 20. And after the great white throne judgment, he, Jesus, who created it all to begin with, is going to make all things new. And I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for that moment. In Revelation 21, verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And last time we talked about how space is, according to the Bible, we went through all those verses about how space is going to be rolled up. It's going to be cast out like a, an old garment. The Lord is literally going to, to wipe it away and roll it up and throw it out. It's all over Isaiah and the Old Testament. And it just speaks to the physics, the reality of what our space is. And here we see the Lord, after he has rolled it up, He's going to behold, and he's going to make all things new. So the Greek word for "were passed away, it literally means to pass away, perish, to pass by. That is to neglect or to omit, transgress. And it shows up quite a bit in the New Testament. It's used 31 times in the Greek New Testament. And Jesus' word will not pass away according to Matthew 5, 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, One yacht or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, if you haven't studied that verse before, a yacht and a tittle in the Hebrew language in the writing is the smallest smallest blemish on a sheet of paper. It's kind of like in our English an apostrophe. So it's a very small mark that changes the entire meaning of a letter. And so what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5 is, The very detail of the law, none of it will pass until it's all fulfilled. None of it will pass away. See, he didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. And that's exactly what he did. And this is one of the verses that got me started when I started reading through the Bible cover to cover 10 years ago. This is one of the verses that got me hooked on finding where Jesus is on every page of the Bible. Because he's saying that, he is the fulfillment of every minute detail in the scripture. And when you really put on that filter, it will change how you read his word. But his word will not pass away. His word is above his name, according to Psalms 138.2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So it's amazing when you find out that above his own name, he holds his word. And why is that? Because it's by his word that you and I get fellowship with him. It's by his word that we enter into a covenant, a contract with him. Uh, Jesus is on every page of his word in Psalms 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. That's obviously speaking of Jesus, not David. David. In the volume of the book, so on every page, Jesus is there. The generation of the tribulation will not pass away in Matthew 24 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. God's word will remain in Matthew 24 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. It's amazing how what you hold in your hand today, the Bible, is going to be with you in the new heaven and the new earth. His word does not pass away. It's carried on to that place, that new heaven and new earth. And so when you look at this, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away from Luke 16, 17. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. How will heaven and earth pass away? 2 Peter three ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And we've talked about how in modern physics we know how it's Jesus' sound waves that are literally holding every atom together. And from Zechariah 14, when the armies are surrounding Jerusalem, and he literally just lets go of of them, he just lets go. And they just melt away right there. And we studied that in Zechariah 14 a couple weeks ago. But this is what happens. When, he, when the heaven and earth pass away, he just lets go. And we know it's the greatest source of energy in the entire universe that we have access to right now called nuclear power. Where if you can split that bond in an atom, what do you get? You get the greatest source of energy ever discovered by man. And that's exactly what happens when you split that atom They're going to melt away with a fervent heat and then be burnt up. And all of this, of course, is predicted in Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So the process of a new heaven and earth starts with the millennium. It's Jesus is gathering everyone into himself as one of my favorite titles that we have in the Bible that Jesus has for us is his heritage. See, going into the new heaven and the new earth, we are the only thing other than his word that he carries over to that side with him is his people. So if you're saved, if you're in the Lord, you have a place there at the new heaven and the new new earth, and he calls us his heritage, which is just incredible. It's amazing how you leave a heritage for someone when you pass away, right? You have a will and a, state, a an inheritance, a heritage that you leave behind for someone. Well, so how does Jesus get us? Well, he had to die, and he left behind a heritage as a result, an inheritance, his own inheritance. It's amazing, though, that he gets to gather that inheritance because of the resurrection. So God is in the business of making everything new. And when you confess Jesus as Lord you are born again so you are made new a new creation in john 3:3 3, 3, jesus answered and said unto him verily verily this is to nicodemus i say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god so you must be born again and and jesus really confounded nicodemus with that right but when you are in the lord when you give your life to jesus you are a new creation See, Jesus is always in the business of making everything new. He doesn't just change your heart; he gives you a new heart, and that's confirmed three times in Ezekiel eleven nineteen. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh, their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh. In Isaiah, in Ezekiel eighteen thirty one, cast away. From you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? And then finally in chapter 36, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. See, Jesus makes you new. You get a new heart. You're born again. You're not, nowhere in the Bible does he change your heart. He gives you a new one, a new one that can conquer all of the emotions and the flesh that you were under bondage to before. It's a heart from the Lord. And, and then in verse 2, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. See, The new city, the new Jerusalem, is the forever home of the Bride of Christ. And back in Revelation 19, I think it was part two, we looked at the difference between the wedding ceremony in heaven and the wedding supper on the earth to kick off the millennium. Well, here, the new Jerusalem, God is making that link. It's adorned as a bride. It's the forever home for the Bride of Christ, where he went to go prepare for us in John 14, John 14, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know the way and the way ye know. See, He went to prepare this place for us almost 2,000 years ago. And if he can put the entire universe back together in six days of of recreation in Genesis 1, imagine what he's been doing for 2,000 years, personally tailoring and crafting a home, a forever home for you. I cannot wait to see what that's going to look like. And next week, or I'm sorry, two weeks from now, when we go into the details of the new city with the, the dimensions and the, the gates and the stones and all of that, it's going to be amazing just to visualize what has Jesus been working on for the better part of 2,000 years. In verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. See, look what they did. What the Lord does here. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He's not talking about the new city, the new Jerusalem, because he changes it to a personal pronoun right after that. And he will dwell with them. He's speaking of Jesus. If you remember from John, Jesus tabernacled amongst us. Jesus is the tabernacle of God. He's the very vessel, the presence of the Lord that walked amongst us almost 2,000 years ago. In John 1, 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then you skip down about, Oh, 10 verses, and you get to verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt. That word in the Greek is tabernacled, and tabernacled amongst us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you go back some months, we had that slide where you can look at the tabernacle of the children of Israel in the wilderness, and how the dimensions, the details, the artifacts in it, Jesus laid claim to every item in the tabernacle. He fulfilled all of it. So in verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You when you read this, you think, why are there tears in heaven at this point, even to begin with? There's no more death, Sorrow, crying, and no more pain. So what tears is God wiping away here? What tears would someone have at this point? You can speculate. I Honestly, I don't really know. The only thought I have is that it's due to lost opportunity, due to thinking of maybe that loved one that you just didn't have that last conversation with to get there with you, that coworker, something that you're remorseful over. But he wipes it all away and it will never be remembered again. The former things are passed away at that point. So it's very, it's very interesting that God at this point is wiping away tears from someone going into eternity. So Revelation 21.5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So, God alone is creator, and He alone will make all things new, and He alone can make you new right now, not just in salvation, but in sanctification. And that's where we are on this journey right now. If you are in the Lord, you've gone from justification, where God has removed you from the penalty of sin, which is death, and you've entered into sanctification, where you, through your studies, through prayer, through running after the Lord, for listening to God and the Holy Spirit that is knocking on you and convicting you and telling you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, over and over and over, and trying to draw you closer to him, that sanctification process is a removal, is removal from the power of sin. And so it's the removal from the penalty is when you get saved, you're justified, you're stamped, one way into heaven, you can never lose it. And then you're on the sanctification process of growing in the Lord and trying to become more and more and more like Jesus. And then ultimately at this point, as Ryan kind of mentioned, a place that's unmarred by sin, it's glorification. It's removal from the very presence of sin itself. So God, you are on that process right now. Now all of us are a work in progress, and it depends on where you are on that, on your how deep is your relationship with the Lord. What have you truly submitted to him? You know, I promise you, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this online, you know if you've got something that you have not fully submitted to Jesus. So you've given your life to him, but you're holding something back that you've not really given and submitted over to him. And I'm just going to encourage you to lay it all down at the throne room of the universe and let him make you completely new and make you and just take that burden almost like a kid that has a backpack that's too heavy right and you're as the parent you just come along and grab the back of it and just pick it up off of them and that weight let that weight just be lifted off your shoulders and just chase after him that's what it's all about right now so in verse 6 and he said unto me it is done i am alpha and omega The beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. So Jesus is going to complete something here that is a new start. He's going to make all things new. He's done that once before in a different way. Remember on the cross when he said, it is finished? The Greek word is tetelestai. It is finished. He made something right then. He put an end to the penalty of sin, right then, past, present, and future. He did it for all. One died for all. It's amazing. The first and the last. I love this title of the Lord because He is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, He is, He always has been and always will be. There's no beginning and there's no ending to Him. And you find this. Confirmed all over the Bible. In Isaiah 44, 6, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer. Look at that. Even in Isaiah, you get the hint of Jesus. Look at the two different titles here. The Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer of the Lord of hosts. So it's just a hint of the Father and the Son right here. I am the first and the la- I am the last, and beside me there is no God. In Isaiah 48, 12, hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. And then Revelation 1:8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. It's amazing, there's a, there's a group of people within the Christian body, within the faith, that do not believe Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, if you take them to these two verses, Isaiah 44, six and 48.12, they'll say, yeah, that's Jehovah God. That's Jesus. That's the Messiah. And then you take them to Revelation 1.8, and it's clearly Jesus speaking. And then you show them that, and they get all bent out of shape because they don't know what to do with it. But because he is and was and is to come. That's Jesus. Revelation 1, 11 saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And there it is again. And then at the final chapter of the entire Bible, God reiterates it. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. See, you have a chance, if you're not saved, to become a son of God. Remember, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit talks about this, that you have a chance to become the son of God as Adam did, the son of God. That's why you must be born again from John 3. You can have access to heaven and not inherit, though. So think about that. And we've talked about this several times in here, about the crowns and the rewards that are listed in the Bible for faithful service. And I've, I've got those listed out here in a second again, just as a reminder. But the goal and what we all must strive for is to inherit with Jesus. And that's in verse 7 here. He that overcometh. Shall inherit all things. Just think about that for a second. Jesus is made heir of all things. And you have the opportunity right now in your life to be made co heirs with Jesus. And all it takes is submission. That's it. All it takes is you to have a willing heart to serve the Lord in any capacity He's asking you to do. And it could be something as simple as baking a meal for your neighbor every day for the next three years. I have no idea. And that's not a trivial thing. Don't misunderstand. I'm just saying it could be anything. It could be, hey, I need you to put your left shoe on every morning, not your right shoe first. I don't know why God would care, but if he's telling you to do that, then listen. He's got a reason. (laughs) He told Ezekiel to lay on his left side for 40 days and had to do that. And it it was to predict a judgment against Israel, but there is an eternal blessing to following and serving the Lord. And at some point, I will share with all of you what the Lord asked me to do last year in 2020. He asked, He told me to do something that I did not want to do at all. I didn't want to do it. But he told me to do it, and I did it. And out of that came these visions for the church. It came New City. All of this came together because he finally... He took me through something and just kept asking me, do you trust me? If I'm telling you to do this, do you trust me enough to go do it? And I, I felt like Job at the time where God speaks to you out of a whirlwind, and he comes to you and he starts asking you these questions. And it's really it's his way of saying, do you trust me? I'm telling you to go do this. Do you trust me enough to go do it and know that I will protect you and guard you through it? And out of that came the greatest blessing of my entire life, which is the opportunity to get up here and be with you guys every Sunday. And so it's just don't take the little things lightly. God is asking you to do something in your life. He's still asking me to do something right now. But I'm telling you, He is wanting you to do something. God is never stagnant, if you notice that, all through the Bible. He is working, He's always working. He's never, he's never finished in terms of, yes, he rested on the seventh day but because his creation was complete, but he's always working in the lives of man, always. And he wants you to be doing the same because you're serving him. So there is an eternal blessing to following and serving him. In 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. See, back up in verse 7 in chapter 21. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. So who is the overcomer? It's First John 5, 4 and 5, 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. If you are rooted in this world, you are in for a big surprise. Because all of it is going to melt away, as we just read in Peter. Do not put your roots in this world. It is, it is a fleeting, fleeting pursuit of more. That's all it is. And there's always more to attain. There's always more to get. There's always more to do. There's always more pressure to put on yourself. All of those things. My, my daughter, Mabry, thinks social media is a tool of the enemy, of Satan. And I tend to agree with her because it makes you always feel like you're not doing enough. And it can be used for good things, don't misunderstand. But I just, I find that amazing that a nine year old is that perceptive of something like that. So, to be an overcomer, what are some of the inheritances for the overcomer? This is not an all inclusive list. And we've gone through this a couple times, but if you go to each of these verses for these five crowns that are listed in the Bible, it's linked to something you did. For the Lord, right now, the crown of, crown of life is given if you suffer for Him, from James one two and Revelation two ten. The crown of righteousness is if you if you are looking for Jesus to take you home in the rapture, that's a crown for you. Second Timothy four eight. Now, what does that have to do with what you're doing day in and day out? Well, everything, because if you know that at any moment you could be called home to give an account of what you just did for him or not for him, it should change the way you think every single day about what you're doing. You know, Jesus is, when he comes back, he's going to find you doing something, right? The question is, what is it? What are you doing? But if you love his appearing, if you're looking for that, 2 Timothy 4, 8, there is a crown of righteousness for you. There's a crown of glory for whoever fed the flock in 1 Peter 5, 4. There's a crown imperishable if you're pressing on in 1 Corinthians 9.25. We are in a race, and that's why Paul used that idiom all throughout the New Testament, really the Holy Spirit through Paul. But running a race, think about Philippians over and over about running a race. You're in a race right now, and the race is for Jesus. Don't grow weary and fall aside. You've got to press on because there's a crown, an imperishable crown waiting for you. The crown of rejoicing if you win souls in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. And again, I don't think this is an all-inclusive list. I think this is just a sampling to give us a flavor for, wow, there really is something laid up for us. Remember what Jesus said in Revelation 3, hold fast that no man take your crown. So whatever you have laid up, you could lose it by not serving him. In some capacity. Now remember also in Revelation 4 and 5, when we get to the throne room of, of the universe, we get to cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus and just give all glory to him for what he did. But our inheritance as the overcomer, to eat of the tree of life from Revelation 2.7, not heard of the second death in Revelation 2.11, you get the hidden manna, the white stone with a new name on it in Revelation 2.17. In the second vision Jesus gave me last year, he had that white stone in his hand, and he's got one for you. It's got a new name on it. I I don't know what my name is, but all throughout the Bible, God changes people's names because they are born again. They're a new creation. Abram was Abraham. Saul was Paul. Sarai was Sarah, and on and on it goes. You get power over the nations in Revelation 2.26. You get the white raiment in Revelation 3.5. I heard a prophet recently talk about how, hey, God can give you the wedding garment, but he can't make you put it on. And that's pretty convicting if you think about it. And he can prepare the the white raiment for you, but he can't get you dressed. <laughs> He's not going to force you to wear it on, Right? And that's a pretty convicting line. There's a pillar with a new name in the temple of God in Revelation 3.12. You get to sit with Christ on his throne in Revelation 3.21. Think about that. Jesus is not on his throne right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. His throne is the Davidic throne on earth in Jerusalem. But you get to sit with him on his throne in the millennium if you are an overcomer. You get to inherit all things in Revelation 21, 7, what we just looked at. In verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we went into a lot of detail about the second death to close out chapter 20 because if you can remember, you can be born twice and die once, or you can be born once and die twice, and that's really the name of the game, is to get in the Lord so that you do not have to taste the second death. So there's eight characteristics here of who are cast into the lake of fire, and what I find amazing is that the list that the Holy Spirit has here, he starts with fearful, and When you study the book of Proverbs, the whole book of Proverbs is about having a fear of God and a reverence of the Almighty. And the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge and understanding in Proverbs. It's one of the reasons why our school systems in the United States have done nothing but decline since the 60s because they've taken prayer out of school. The fear of the Lord has been removed from our school system, and thus you're seeing the results of it. Because it is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, according to Proverbs. And so when you do that, you are really, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but you're putting your your kids in a system that is not rooted in God. And you've seen that with all of the test scores. Look at all of the major characteristics in our nation, divorce, uh, violent crime. Just go down the list. All of them have skyrocketed since the 60s since that began. But it's amazing how God starts these eight characteristics with the fearful, those that do not have an awe and a reverence of God. Matthew 10:28, "And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That is a, a pretty steep fear that, that, that uh, the book of Jude talks about, actually. In the book of Jude, he talks about, the Holy Spirit talks about saving some with the message of eternal forgiveness and life everlasting and the joyful side of coming into the Lord. But others, he says, he says, to save so out of fire with the fear of the judgment. See, some people come to God knowing that there's a penalty not to. Some of them come to God because there's something better waiting for them. They both come to the Lord and then they get on that sanctification process but it's it starts it starts by having a awe a fearful reverence of God Almighty. Eight is the number of new beginnings which is kind of interesting. This is not the new beginning that you want to be a part of though. There are these eight characteristics and it is a new beginning for the people that are not in the Lord, but this is not one you want to be a part of. These people did not confess the name of Jesus while they had time, but they will, according to Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Three spots that every knee is going to bow to Jesus. And what I find amazing is that you can either confess him now out of your own will or be forced to confess him later because you're going to come face-to-face with the Savior one way or the other. Everybody ends up at his feet. It's just a matter if you're there at the Bema seat where you're on your knees praising him and he's showing you what you did in the spirit your entire life or you're on your knees at the white throne judgment confessing him and not having access to the new heaven and the new earth. And so eight short verses today. Revelation 21. Pretty amazing chapter. We're gonna get into the New Jerusalem next week, pick it up in verse nine and on. And what I want you to think about is if you get a chance this week, just read it before two weeks from now. Because next week we'll do the one-year celebration and then two weeks from now, and just think about think about what you're visualizing. Try to try to just set aside all presuppositions you have. About what this city could look like, and just let the Lord try to let your imagination go wild. Because whatever you think it is, it's something infinitely cooler. I promise. And I, it's also not constrained to three dimensions. For anyone that's that has been here for a long time, as we've been talking about, it's there's no way it's constrained to three dimensions. So I don't I don't know that we can even really visualize it. I have a hard time thinking up to four and five dimensions, but Get into the Word of God and just let your imagination go wild. Because it is really, really cool to think about what Jesus has been building expertly for you and me for almost 2,000 years. It's a long time. He could have just spoken in existence, but he has been personally crafting this thing for us. And I think it's amazing. I cannot wait to see what it's like. So, to get into the Word of God... We talked a lot about the sanctification process today, the inheritance, the rewards, the crowns, not, not really not becoming a, a believer and then not doing anything with it. When you think about the Ten Commandments, which is really God's covenant with us, right? God says, thou shall not murder. Why? Because vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. You don't have to take vengeance. He'll do it for you. Thou shalt not covet because he will sustain you. He will make you content in all things. When you go down that list, every one of them is an attribute of God. You don't have to do this. You don't have to steal because he'll be your provider. Well, one of them is amazing in that thou shalt not take the Lord thy God, thy God's name in vain. He will not hold you guiltless who takes his name in vain what does that mean it means this it means going through the sanctification process not becoming saved and doing nothing with it don't take his name in vain It has nothing to do with your vocabulary it has everything to do with your life and how you live for the lord that's what it's about don't take his name don't become an ambassador of the king and then do nothing with it and so don't take his name in vain And to do that, you have to build your faith. In Hebrews 11.1, for faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's Jesus. He's the substance of all we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. And it's important because Hebrews 11.6, for for without it, it's impossible to please him. And then Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So that's how you get it. And then you need to do it daily from Acts 17.11 search the scriptures daily to prove that those things be so. So if you want to get on on home plate and try to try to make a run to first if you're not saved you're out there watching this you all you have to do is go into your bedroom, close the door, get on your knees and confess Jesus. It's Romans 10:9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The people that come to know the Lord in the tribulation period, this is what they do. They've got to confess and and cry out to Jesus. It's the same thing. All the way back to Abraham, how was he justified? Abraham was justified by faith, and it was, a, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So you can make sure you've got a one-way ticket to the throne room before all of this craziness starts and have a place in the new heaven and the new earth. In Isaiah one eighteen, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So reasoning together from the book of Amos, how can two be in agreement lest they walk together? And that's what it's all about. Walking with Jesus on the sanctification process, giving your life over to him and submitting everything to the Lord. Appreciate all of you guys being here. Reach out to us if you've got any prayers, prayer questions, salvation, anything, whatever you need, we're here to help. And I'm going to close us in prayer. And I was just joking at the beginning. I did hear from a lot of a lot of people are out sick for some reason. Something's going around right now, the I think head colds, but Somehow 80% of our congregation, I think, caught it. So we're going to pray for healing over them and blessings. And what a great time. I feel like it's been a month since I've been here. It was a long week for some reason. I guess just traveling and Thanksgiving and and all of that. But Phil, it was great to be back. Appreciate all of you guys taking time out of your Sunday to be here. And I'll close us out in prayer. Uh, Please don't forget, it would be a gigantic a gigantic blessing to me. If you want to record something and just give your personal testimony for a couple of minutes about New City, what has it meant to you? How did you find us? How did you get here? We we do no advertising at all, <laughs> and you came and see our building from the street. And so literally, people—it has to be the Holy Spirit bringing someone here by word of mouth, by an invite, by a friend, by something. And what's, um, it's just blowing my mind that what started with nine families, I think last time I looked at the list, it's about somewhere up about 80 families now. And there's a lot, obviously, as you can tell, there's a lot of people gone today. But that just blows me away that the Lord in less than a year has brought that many people out as a remnant church to foster, strengthen, and grow an unashamed bride for Jesus' return and it's going to be really fun next week it's going to be a lot of fun next week I I can't wait to hear from everybody I really hope that you'll take time and just do that it would be a, a tremendous blessing to me and I know a lot of you are at home watching if you don't mind doing that and emailing that to Ryan at that email address right there that would be awesome or get up here and talk I know a couple of kids have told me they've written out something they're going to come up here and share in person that's great too if you want to do that So with that, I'll close us out in prayer. Really appreciate all of you guys. Lord, thank you so much for New City Church, for what you've done in our lives. God, I thank you for knitting together a family of believers that we can lean on each other, that we can go through this incredibly crazy world together and strengthen one another and sharpen one another and to hold fast to your word together. God, it's it's. Great to be surrounded by families that are chasing and running after you as hard as we are. And we just love you for it. So, Lord, I pray a special blessing upon all of those that could not be here today. God, all of those that are under the weather or sick, God, I pray supernatural healing on them. I pray that you would just remove anything that's going on in their bodies. Lord, reach in right now and literally change the chemistry in their bodies, the, the very cell structure of what's causing them to be sick. Remove it and pull that out, Lord. The life is in the blood according to your word. And just let your blood flow through them and have life and to raise up to new energy and to new life to conquer this week ahead and to rejoin us next week. God, we just love you so much. I pray that that, Lord, as we continue through this study, that you would give us a passion that cannot be quenched to chase after you and to fight for you and to stand on truth and your word, no matter what it means and no matter what it costs in this day in which we live. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and gather without the threat of persecution or endangerment to our lives. Lord, for we know that is a privilege that has not been upon most of the body of Christ for most of the last 2,000 years and that we have brothers and sisters right now watching in quarantine and lockdowns all over the world with threat of imprisonment just simply by tuning in to listen to the word of God. And God, we just pray a supernatural hedge of protection around every one of them. Empower them, strengthen them, bring them up Let them speak boldly no matter who they come in contact with. And God, give them joy and comfort in this time of distress. We just love you so much, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.